South Connection Podcast Network. Don't be afraid. But yes, Johnny C returns for part two of the Multiverse of Fabulousness Grindhouse Special. In order to properly celebrate Halloween, you've got to get a little crazy, right? And I thank you so much for joining us here on the North South Connection Podcast Network for the Multiverse of Fabulousness. Of course, I'm Johnny C. As always, searching and traversing the multiverse for pop culture variants. And like I said, we're re- we're on part two of our Grindhouse special. If you have come to this part first, don't really worry. You can listen to these episodes in any order that you want. But in order to keep myself sane, I had to dictate one as part one and the other as part two. And that is a spooky concept, getting confused with only two items. Well, you know what? It's been a long week for old Johnny C here, but I am so happy to present to you the following podcast because it was a tremendous amount of fun, even though I'm going to be traversing to a planet called Earth Evil. Oh, it's so evil. There's this Michael and Jason and Frederick Kruger and all sorts of evil beings, and only I, Dr. Loomis, can defeat them. But no, it's not about defeating evil on Earth Evil, because what we've done here in the Multiverse of Fabulousness, of course, in Episode 1, or the first part of our Grindhouse special, we traveled to Earth-91 and took a look at the WWF producing a pay-per-view for Halloween in 1991, as opposed to this Tuesday in Texas. Here on Earth Evil, it's an Earth where fiction lives. So basically the concept is, we're going to be booking a pay-per-view centered around the fact that our performers are going to be characters from slasher movies, horror films, scary movies, whatever you want to call them throughout history. So, you know, just to use Freddy vs. Jason, the classic question mark 2003 film as an example, you may be listening to a podcast where someone books a quote-unquote wrestling match between Freddy and Jason. It's absolutely mind-boggling. It's a hell of a lot of fun, and only, I guarantee you, I promise you this, there's that word again, guarantee, I guarantee you that only I, Fritz McMahon, am evil enough to have purchased the rights to all of these characters and bring them to life, because I I swore an oath to, to, to evil gods. No, there aren't any gods evil enough to swear to. I swear to me, Vince McMahon, that you'll never see anything or hear anything this bonkers, but also... Easy to follow, professionally done. It's not bonkers in that way. But it's really examining the fact that uh, if you really wanted to live in a on an Earth that feels like Last Action Hero, for example, is a great movie where uh, the kid gets sucked into the movie screen and any character from fiction could possibly walk right past him. He walks past the T-1000, Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct. Well, this is a world where you could accidentally walk right past Freddy Krueger 
if he was out and about. Maybe he's got to file his taxes. I've got to meet the deadline! You know, he's running. Welcome to tax day, bitch! You know, he's just out there doing things. But, you know, all these characters are in a professional wrestling arena that we're going to be creating. Just, yeah, I don't want to build it up anymore. But I also wanted to just make it clear that that's what we're doing because it is such a bonkers concept. So, let's not waste any more time. I feel the evil grasping a hold of me, and so I'm going to go to Earth Evil to present Slasher Slam. All right. Oh, my goodness, fans. It was so difficult getting safely to Earth Evil. And to be honest with you, I fear for my safety, so I better bring in my tag team partner on this one, Drew Wardlaw. Drew, how are you, man? Doing good. I mean, look, when I invited you to this party, I had no idea it would be this crazy. But thank you so much for coming to Earth Evil because we are here to talk about a pay-per-view concept unlike any other. Drew, I have to ask and be as honest as possible. When you got the call with what we were doing, 0 to 10, how crazy did you think it was? I'd say about a 9. Okay, pretty out there stuff. (laughs) I like it, and that's what I was going for. So by now, you're either coming to this first, or like I mentioned, you've gone to listen to uh, Spooky Slam in 91, uh, part of the uh, Multiverse Grindhouse special. This is our part two, but again, it doesn't matter which one you listen to first. On Earth Evil, well, it, it reminds me of like, I don't know if you've seen these movies, Drew. Who Framed Roger Rabbit or Last Action Hero? Oh, of course. Okay. Classics. Absolutely. And the one thing that I always loved about Last Action Hero, it's like getting to walk around potentially any movie star or fictional character of all time. On Earth Evil, that is what the vibe is. Fictional characters are real, and some greedy promoter who's insane named Vince McMahon is booking a pay-per-view called Slasher Slam. And the goal is to finally get all these fictional slasher movie, horror film characters, icons, to make money off Halloween, all that shit. They're all in one place under one roof, and they're here to do battle for our entertainment and professional wrestling-style matches. Oof. And, uh, Drew, what a concept, I know, and I th- huh? It, well, I'll tell you, it's, it's a way to make sure that everyone's voice is heard in terms of the horror genre, because I've tried to book this pay-per-view, and, of course, just like – over on Spooky Slam, uh, Drew and I are going to go through these bad boys. We've each booked our own card. On the Multiverse of Fabulousness, you guys know we always have rules. So the rules for this Earth are very simple. These matches can be won by pinfall victory only, except for one special match that we'll talk about when we get there. Our main event is also pinfall as well, but it has a special stipulation uh before you can pin other than that anything goes fiction is reality here this is supposed to be bonkers and falls to the wall we're going to be booking fictional slashers versus one another or victim we'll get there uh drew i hate the sound of my own voice for this bad boy we had to pick a host city i would love to know your host city selection all right so slasher slam on my Earth Evil is coming live from the Haddonfield High School football field in Haddonfield, Illinois. It's an outdoor show. I I love it because you know the first thing that popped into my head 
the faculty where they play the football game outside with the pyro and the shit like that. And I love the idea that it's outside as well. You've tapped into the evil I was looking for. <laughs> Excellent. Of course, Haddonfield, uh, you know, the legendary home of Michael Myers or the shape. Uh, on the spot, no spoilers. Have you seen Halloween Ends? I have not yet. Uh, I have heard a couple things about it. I'm not quite sure if it's uh, something I'll check out or not. But uh, I don't know. Have, have you seen it? So, yeah, I watched it. Uh, I was actually pathetic. Um, I watched it on Peacock because I wanted, you know, I feel like some movies I'm okay with watching straight to my house. And uh, I didn't want to, you know, pay for it. I'm going to see Black Adam next. Uh, or I already saw Black Adam because this is Halloween Eve. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just shit, shit like that. Uh, which, hey, if you haven't listened to it yet, the North-South Connection podcast special on Black Adam, uh, you should listen to it because it's out now. Uh, I watched it at 8 o'clock on Thursday night. I kept refreshing the feed because I heard rumors pray tell they would release it early. And uh, you should watch it because it, they make choices, and it's rare that movies make choices these days, I feel like. All right. So yeah. that's that's what I'll say about it. Um, so I – back to the brand synergy here. Much like yourself – I'm outdoors, and it's probably blistering cold, and these fans deserve it because they want to watch the Slasher Slam, which is horrendous. <laughs> Although I took a road similar but different. I'm in Forest Green, New Jersey, at the Camp Crystal Lake campgrounds in a makeshift outdoor arena like Road Wild. <laughs> of course, of course, Forest Green is – the uh, name they gave Camp Crystal, or they gave Crystal Lake, New Jersey, after uh, they wanted to change it to increase their PR, but they're fully no one here. It's Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah, no, no one, uh, no one's fooled here. Everyone knows the deal. And uh, let me ask you: Is your ring announcer the crazy old man that uh, warns everybody at the beginning of uh, what is it, part two? It's a death curse. Part one, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy that's route, a, man. Yeah, that's a, the that's part one. Yeah, he's actually in both. He bites the big one in part two. You're right. Yes, you're right. See, I had to. I wa I just ranked them all over in the Aqua Cave. Hey, whoa, who's selling shit here? Um, but any, but yes, I watched hey, them all. So, so, oh, sorry, go ahead because I, I have a question after that. No, I just say I, I watched them all recently. So I'm, I just, I'm not trying to be like, yeah, I know, I know everything about movies because oh, I don't. But like, I just watched them the other day. Uh, me, me too. So I, I just finished uh i watched the first i hadn't watched any of like uh the nightmare on elm street halloween or friday the 13th movies in probably well over a decade at this point so i wa i watched all of them chronologically through part four of each nice um, and then kind of ranked them uh in compared to each other what what's your favorite friday the 13th well, I think my favorite – I'm glad you said favorite. Thank God, because I'm so tired of doing these lists where it's like the first entry has to be the best one every time. My favorite to watch is two, but I know it's not the best. But it just does it for me. Jace, Jason with the sack on his head is actually kind of frightening to me. It feels legitimate. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that, that's kind of – and I like, the, I like the counselors. It's like the best cast. So, you know. Yeah. What's yeah. your favorite? Historically, my favorite is part four. And of course, um, and yeah, you know that's the standard. Um, I really liked part three, the last. Oh, time, the last time through, though. Uh, I think the the punks 
the biker punks, I think that adds a, a, a really cool element to it. Plus, it's the first one with the iconic mask and all that. So, Absolutely. I, I don't recall where I ranked it. It was right in the middle. Um, you know, they take risks, that, and I'm not advocating this, at, please, but that one girl's, like, pregnant? She's like, well, I'm a pregnant woman. And it's like, Jesus, you know? Yeah, they, they, <laughs> to, to uh, borrow a term from you, they make some choices there. Yeah, there you go. They certainly did. And it's 3D, so it's a lot of fun. Um, I... I, I, I uh, sort of backpedaled when I made the list before I watched it. I, of course, had four at number one, but I just enjoyed two a little bit more this go around. Six mm-hmm. is great. Uh, my my least favorite was Jason X. I know you haven't watched it, I was like, but I just I couldn't, man. It, it's just it's a bad porn parody. Yeah, it's Jason X is not good. Six is awesome. Five is really sleazy and also awesome. So, I completely agree. I had five at number three. Yeah, five five rocks. Uh, let's see, seven. I don't remember at all. Um, it's uh, Jason versus Carrie. Basically, she's got psychic powers, and Bernie is in it. Mm, oh, okay, okay. Um, then uh, Jason goes to New York, or yeah, Jason, was it Jason takes Manhattan? Yeah, Jason takes Vancouver, Toronto, wherever yeah, they yeah. filmed it. Um, but yes. Yeah, that one that one's kind of silly. Uh, and then Jason goes to hell. I don't remember that at all, but I do remember that's a real standout uh, VHS box cover. Oh, you're goddamn childhood. right with the with the worm on the cover popping out of the mask. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, that shit is bonkers. I remember hearing as a kid that uh, some kids on the playground was like, "Freddy's in Jason goes to hell," and I was like, "You're full of shit." Yeah, and then you know. Because I, I didn't like this shit when I was a kid. It wasn't until Scream came out that I went back and started to look. I, okay, yes, I was that nerd with Scream. Deal with it, America. Uh, but yeah, so um, but yeah, the box is an absolute standout. There's some great horror film boxes. That honestly, and I'm not trying to. That's that feels like a whole conversation, like podcast in itself. Because there's some really creepy ones out there. The '80s was a gold mine for this shit. Oh yeah, yeah. You could do you could do a whole series on uh, VHS box covers that made an impression on you as a child. <laughs> Absolutely, it was a whole other like thing. There's still this one I can't remember for the life of me. It's like a guy who has like a robotic type face, but maybe he's wearing eyeliner and he's like grabbing his own face. I don't know if he's a robot murder kill thing. Uh, if anyone out there, it just popped into my head like a fucking you know a fever dream when we were talking about this shit. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I doubt anyone would hear that. So now we're going to do this thing in a snake style like we did over at Spooky Slam. Uh, we also have to pick a commentary team. The rules state it can be any character from a horror film as long as they are not a killer. Because after all, if they're a killer, they may be eligible for the pay-per-view. Of course. And I went with a, a unique team. Uh I've got from the same franchise on play-by-play, the straight man, Tommy Doyle, famously played in this version by Paul Rudd, the Ant-Man, from Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Because who doesn't want to listen to Paul Rudd? And I think slowly through the night, even though he's playing Tommy Doyle, we're going to see that this is appalling to Mr. Rudd. (laughs) And on color from Halloween 1, could it be anyone else? Dr. Sam Loomis, famously played by Donald Pleasance. All right, Tommy, I'm here to watch some evil get fucked up. He's got, I mean, look, he's been drinking. He's wearing the trench coat. The collar is popped, and he's got a box of popcorn. He's 
He's done dealing with this shit. Let him kill themselves. I'm going to watch. He's he's ready for it. Well, uh, I think we have our first crossover for the night then because my color commentator is also Dr. Sam Loomis in yes. the Halloween series. I mean, I think he I think he's the the perfect choice for a, a number of reasons. He's he's out there. He's a psycho in his own right, but also He's got the insight and the knowledge and the psychological understanding of all these freaks, you know? So he can explain what's going on in the ring. That's fucking fantastic. I love that we linked up on that one. Me too. And my play-by-play is Detective Ray Cameron, played by Tom Atkins from Night of the Creeps, because he's got charisma, he's got a great voice, and he's got his catchphrase, thrill me. First of all, I need to see this movie. I've not seen it. Second, I love that Tom Atkins, also the Doctor in Halloween 3. Yes. I love that on many podcasts, I have told the story about how my uh, high school friends and me who got obsessed with horror movies always referred to him as Dan the Beast Severed. <laughs> so it'd be like, we'd be watching Halloween 3 to be like, Dr. Dan the Beast now, going to go grab himself a sixer. And Incredible. I have also made note that I'm appalled by the Tom Atkins nipple sucking in Halloween 3. Yeah. It's a choice. It's a choice. What what can you say? No judgment. No, no, for for sure. It's just, I mean, look, I I am no prude. But that being said, I just feel for the actresses because it's like you're getting the blocking down. It's like I understand I'm doing a love scene. There's nudity, whatever. I'm a big boy. I'm a big girl. I can handle it. But, eh. Yeah, and that, that, I, I imagine they had to do multiple takes, too. <laughs> I need the nipple guy to get in here. Yeah, get him in. Yeah. <laughs> they have to dab it. I don't want to taste my own saliva. I'm Stan the Beast Sever. <laughs> oh, boy. I love it. I love it so much. So let's get going with the card here. We've set the atmosphere, and I am going to watch that movie. Uh, I love Tom Atkins. I Night, of the, Night of the Creeps. Awesome, awesome, awesome movie. Tons of Is fun. It, it's like it pure sounds, joy. It sounds like monster-ish aliens. What are we doing? Dealing with? Yeah, kind of um, like a alien zombie type. Love it. Love situation. It. Yeah. So our opening contest is for the vacant tag team championship because this is you know the first maybe only but someone some tandem has to come together to prove tag team dominance and here are the rules for this match. Team number one, it must be two killers from different horror films that aren't what I called big ones. I think everyone probably gets it. You know, uh, the big ones are the big ones. Team two, two different killers from the same franchise. Because it happens. These series do this. They get bored. They change things up. And I believe, sir, you are up to bat. All right. So my tag team. First tag team is a tub of the stuff teaming with the fog from the fog. So we've got the stuff from the stuff teaming with the fog from the fog versus a copy of the book In the Mouth of Madness written by Sutter Kane from the movie In the Mouth of Madness or At the Mouth of Madness, whatever it's called, teaming with the cylinder of the spinning liquid physical embodiment of Satan from the movie Prince of Darkness. Now, this is a loose connection. I, you can veto if you if you want. 
this this is uh this is your call. But Dude, you two have picked inanimate objects fighting one another. I'm here for it. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, uh Mount the Madness and uh uh Prince of Darkness, both uh John Carpenter movies. Mm-hmm. That is a that is a loose trilogy. It it's the the thing, Prince of Darkness and uh at the Mount of Madness. It's a trilogy that he calls the uh the Apocalypse trilogy. So okay. that's that's my connection there uh for the spinning liquid and the book. Now in the mouth of madness, is that Sam Neil from the Jurassic st- I mean he's in so much else, but from the Jurassic stuff or yes. in the mouth Okay, okay. Yep. Okay, so that's another box at the movie at the video store with him holding the book open that I've seen. And Absolutely. Uh, the trailer as well on a bunch of stuff that I would rent. So I'm familiar with that. Uh, you're going to hate me. I've not even seen the thing. I know. I know. Oh, I know. Gotta. It's awesome. I know. But that, um, that's, so, that's so great because now you get to watch it for the first time. And the stuff as well. And I don't mean to – yes, I will. I know the thing absolutely is, a, is one of those you need to do it. Like what are, what are you doing wasting your time? Uh, but the stuff from the stuff, I don't know it, but I love it. Yeah, oh, another great one. Um, so now, okay, now correct me. Now you give yours. Is that correct? And then I you figured, say. Yeah, I figured we would just for a little contrast and compare. But so I loved it from, from the two horror films that aren't the big ones. You obviously picked the stuff, which seems like it might be some sort of inanimate liquid, perhaps, or putty, I'm assuming. It's a, it's a uh, confectionery. Okay, okay. And while mine isn't that, it is absolutely something that could not participate in a wrestling match. It's the Krite Ball from Critters 2, the main course. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so if anyone's not familiar, the Critters, those little fuckers, at the end of the second one, they all form a giant ball that rolls around town and gets blown up at the hungry heifer. I ain't serving no steer, all right? The tag team partner of the Critter Ball... And he's appalled that this has happened because his tag team partner is an abomination of the Lord. It's the biker because he doesn't have an official killer name. His character name is Reverend Bates, and he comes from a film that might be called, depending on where you live, Welcome to Spring Break or Nightmare Beach. It's a reverend who rides around on a bike that has a second seat that is the electric chair, and he's killing some sinners on spring break. Wow. Yeah, awesome. so two characters that are mobile, though. <laughs> the slasher slam has gone mobile. My name is Bane. <laughs> Doesn't he say something? Yeah, the bomb is mobile. Yeah, that's where I got that from. <laughs> and and these things are teaming up against the Chapman brothers, Billy and Ricky from Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 and 2. Nice. These guys dress up like Santa, and they deliver me some presents with hilarity. All right, it's kind of one of those low budget they're leaning into it slasher ones. The second one's very famous for a reason we'll talk about very soon. <laughs> just, just real quick, I don't want to, uh, but have you seen? Are you familiar with these films? Oh, I sure am. Now I, I haven't seen Nightmare Beach. Um, okay, that will be so really quick. Uh, what I do every Halloween is, or every October, you know, I watch a horror movie every every day. Um, Love it. I, I compiled a list. It took me a long time, but I compiled what's a pretty exhaustive list of every slasher movie in the 80s. And so I'm watching everything chronologically. 
Um, I'm in like 1984 right now. So it looks like Nightmare Beach is uh, from 1989. So it's definitely on my spreadsheet to watch. I'll, I'll get to that in several years. That's okay because I think when you'll get there, you'll be like, oh, so that's what that dude looks like. It's a cheese fa- – like it's – it is a horror film, but it's – it's very it's a very easy one in retrospect to be like, oh, man, this is cheesy. But the soundtrack rips. I think that's what the kids say for something that's good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just it's a good time. It's just sleazy stuff. But, you know, whatever. It's spring break. Yeah, that's the those are the best kind. The, those ones that lean into it. Those are my favorites. I'm desperate to figure out how a pinfall happens in this match. And please, by all means, the floor is yours as descriptive as you'd like. How does this thing end up? Well, the match ends when the stuff starts to move and it trips over because uh, the, the, the stuff is the only thing that can that, uh, can move and has uh, weight to it. So the stuff starts moving towards mm, something, the audience, <laughs> someone in the audience, and it trips <laughs> over uh, the book, the copy of the book, and it lands on top of the book. Uh, referee counts the one, two, three. <laughs> I love it because it's drawn not to victory, but to an innocent bystander. Yes. That is fucking fantastic. Um, you know, and that's the thing, too. These, And I'm glad you mentioned that because that means the referee's on his toes. The referees, I'm telling you, at least over here, they're going to have to be prepared this evening and paying attention. <laughs> so I didn't want to write a book, all right, but I ha- I just have to explain, like, the flow of the match to understand the ending. So the critter ball starts this thing. Obviously, when it rolls down the aisle, it just keeps rolling, and it bounces into the ring, and it's all over the place. The biker spends most of the match yelling at fans, driving around the ring, because they're, you know, like, you guys are sinners, I'm the biker. Uh, Billy Chapman, who's one of the Santas, rides the ball of critters around the ring like a fucking bronco and gets thrown outside. Now, his tag team partner, Ricky Chapman, seizes opportunity. As Biker's not paying attention, his brother's on the outside, and Critter Ball is rolling around the ring looking for something to eat. Now, famously, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 has become a meme with his iconic delivery of a very special line. So Ricky goes under the ring, gets a trash can, okay? And Miss Dr. Loomis at ringside has a hamburger. Take this, feed it to the evil! And... Ricky gets the critter's attention, puts the burger in the garbage can, and yells, Garbage day! <laughs> and the crowd, the crowd goes nuts. Huge oh, absolutely. Crowd. That's the thing. I, and that's what kind of worked into the crowd, the uh, organic pop moments. I'm glad you picked up on that. <laughs> so he tosses the trash can over by the biker. The critter ball chases the trash can, bursts through the ring ropes, rolls over the biker, leaving a comical skeleton behind. He's killed his own tacky partner, but damn it, he's hungry. And Ricky just grabs the bones and covers it for the quick one, two, three. And the brothers Santa are your tag team champions. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you got to get garbage day. And critters eat garbage, right? Of course they do. Critters 2, one of those awkward movies when I was a kid with my mom walking through and being like, what are you watching? Because it's got a yeah. little nudity in it. Yeah, a little bad boy movie. Yeah, I know, I know. I don't mean it to be, but damn it, they made it, not me. (laughs) So our second match, and we're trying to incorporate a lot of elements from these types of films, and I hope you fans will appreciate that. It's for the vacant women's championship 
But I'm actually going to make a small amendment here. We might as well call it the final girl championship because participant number one is a final girl from any horror film, and participant number two is a final girl from any horror film. Pretty straightforward. Now, since we're snaking this, and I will do this quickly, my two final girls are Laurie Strode, specifically from H2O. And we'll get there. And my other final girl is Alice Johnson, the final girl from the greatest Nightmare on Elm Street film of all time, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Interesting choices. Very interesting. Yeah, I kind of went very um, blockbustery or very obvious on these ones, I feel like. But Alice, kind of my, like, kid kid crush. Is so that a wrestler? You prefer uh, four to three, even. So, you know, I recognize that A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 is, like, the better movie. And I believe that. But something about four. It's like watching a, a music video. You know, it's so polished. It's so expensive looking compared to everything else. It's got movement. The camera's kinetic. I just, I enjoy it watching four more than three. So, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Hey, no, fair enough. Yeah. No. But I definitely. movies. Yeah. And, I, you know, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, you know, the kid in my neighborhood had it on Laserdisc. It's the only thing I've ever watched on Laserdisc. Um, you know, and I had a big crush on Alice, uh, or Lisa Wilcox, of course, plays Alice. So what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? All right. All right, let's get some final girls for over at the Haddonfield, the home base. So um, no surprise there. We've got another crossover, Laurie Strode um, versus, and here's a twist, Elena Maxwell from the movie Terror Train. Played by – and now this is Laurie Strode from Halloween 1 Okay, uh, specifically. Elena Maxwell played by Jamie Lee Curtis in 1980. So we've got Jamie Lee Curtis wrestling herself. Wow. She really was typecast, wasn't she? <laughs> she was for a bit, yeah. I've, I've tried to watch Prom Night. I've not seen this film you're talking about, but uh, is it called Terror Train? Terror Train, yeah. Okay, is she a, a hapless victim? Uh, obviously, uh, she's a final girl. She's a final girl. No, she's uh, pretty strong. She's well, not quite as strong as Laurie Strode, but um, I think she kind of she uh, it's kind of a teacher versus student type uh, situation. Oh, I dig this quite a bit, and I love that either way she ends up with the final girl championship. That's right, and deservedly well, so. I completely agree. Uh, I guess this was Snake. I, you go right ahead. You tell us who wins here. All right. So this this is a match. This is something very similar to like the uh, Larry Zbysko versus Bruno uh, TV studio match, where it's a real, uh, t- like I said, a teacher versus student, um, very scientific match where uh, Elena just can't seem to get the better of Lori. Lori has an answer to every type of hold, uh, every type of move that um, Elena tries. And in the end, they they go for about, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Like I said, it's like a studio-type match. And in the end, Laura uh, catches Elena with a quick roll-up, uh, kind of reverses a headlock attempt, and there you go. Simple as that. Picks up the win. Nothing fancy, but uh, there's a lot of frustration there. Um, Elena just couldn't get the job done. 
I love it because she doesn't, you know, in all these matches, kills are optional. I like that she doesn't take it upon herself. Like, clearly, this is like a Ring of Honor type match. Uh, I'm the teacher. You're the student. Learn from this. You'll have this someday when I'm gone. And uh, handshake of honor afterwards. Exactly. Exactly. I like it. I like that you, I, and I mean this wholeheartedly, I'm glad that you could find something that, like, uh, potent and hopeful in this world. <laughs> <laughs> because even my final girls couldn't find a way to get along. Like, it, you know, it's pure evil. Of course, Doc, Dr. Lewis. Is, I'm sure – is Doctor? do you imagine Dr. Lewis being a little biased on company? I trained with her! Yeah. <laughs> it's not impartial. Not no, absolutely impartial. not. <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, Michael, uh, Michael, I'll have to be impartial on this one. Well, that was a little <laughs> – that was Starscream meets JBL for some reason. <laughs> but, yeah, there. Uh, I, I do enjoy that quite a bit. I like Jamie Lee going up against herself. I like that she also can sort of – claim dominance amongst the others because it's kind of true in a way like there are great final girls in history you know usually more modern stuff but Lori is the top of the mountain and she she can't be challenged by anyone that isn't herself and i appreciate that so in order to get this bad boy going along uh in my match uh like i said Lori's from h2o and alice is of course in her final form uh, where she has all of her friends' dream powers, and she wears a sweet leather jacket, and she knows white guy karate because her dead brother do it. Mm. Right? R.I.P. Yeah, dude, that guy's hair, man. Holy yeah. shit. I mean, that shit's a weapon. He should have used it. He should have been like, eat this, Freddy. Mm. Did, you, did you know that that kid's on Saved by the Bell? Wow. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I don't really? know if you're – I don't know if you're – I know you're a 90210 connoisseur, but I didn't know if you were Saved by the Bell connoisseur. Yeah, yeah I dabble. So he's – it's kind of a cheat, okay? Because he's in the Good Morning Miss Bliss. He's the mm. school. He's the bully named Deep that can't read. Got it. Oh yes, of course he's 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 a bully because really he's insecure. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love I love the straight lace delivery on that. <laughs> oh, I don't want to laugh into the microphone. I'm sorry, fans. Okay. Um. God, yeah, but that kid's hair, and I love it. Uh, that's another great thing about four. It's so end of the eighties. But so she's got her jacket, she's got her powers. Loomis, of course, bias on commentary. Laurie, she's evil. Do something. And the big finish comes after a, a, a long match. Not what, who, who uh, you know, super long, but definitely a technical a matchup. There's been a lot of falls, uh, pure, uh, you know, near falls. Nobody can quite get the job done. Laurie realizes that in order to finish Vallis. She's going to – Alice, goodness. She's going to have to maybe play outside the rules. This is the H2O, Laurie Strode. She's drunk, all right? And that's okay. <laughs> if you need a drink, just take one. Um, she pushes Alice feverishly outside of the ring in violence. Now, both Alice and the referee take a tumble to the outside. Both women are down because, yes, of course, we've got a female referee in here, uh, refereeing the final girls' match. Laurie goes over to Lubis because Lubis has – an axe underneath his trench coat. He's like, Laurie, yes, take the axe. <laughs> she, she goes over and gets the axe. Alice rolls back into the ring. Alice has her back turned to Laurie. Laurie just takes a swing and boom, decapitation. Alice's body falls to the ground. Laurie makes the cover. The crowd, one, two, three. But you see, the referee has to count, not the crowd. And Laurie's like, why isn't the referee counting? She looks down and realizes that, yes, she decapitated a woman wearing Alice's leather coat. 
but much like an H2O, apparently because of the retcon, she's decapitated the wrong person because Alice made the switch and put the leather coat on the referee. Mm. Alice rolls in the ring. Lori's confused. Alice hits the big white guy karate kick that we just talked about in great detail. Alice makes the cover. Charles Robinson sprints down to the campgrounds, dives in the ring. One, two, the evil's defeated. No! It is, yes. That, that, that's Lewis being pissed off on commentary that Lori loses. <laughs> she loses to the white guy karate kick by decapitating the wrong person, as she does famously at the end of H.O. Sorry. That was, it doesn't work, though, if you don't understand the coat change. Sure. <laughs> wow. And, of course, the drama-rama kicks in as soon as they hit the three count, right? Oh, absolutely. I would sing it, but I think we won't be able to release the podcast because that movie, that music rights, it feels like it always holds that film up from different places. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, I'm doing it anyway. Anything, anything. <laughs> yeah, dude, that song rules. Uh, I'm so glad that you know the drama-rama song. I mean, I'm sure other people know it from, like, it's real music, but to me it's the nunchuck song. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And that, and that is a Samurai Cop level wig on the Alistondo. Have you seen Samurai Cop? Ooh, no. Oh, it's a, it's one of those like movies that's so bad you have to watch it because it's oh, like yeah. pathetic. Uh, but it, yeah, it should be high on the list. It's up there, better than modern stuff because modern stuff's just pathetic because you should be able to make a movie now. Yes. No so. excuse. Yeah. Absolutely not. But yeah. So the final girl, I didn't want to take out Lori, but it's the H two O, and I don't like that timeline flows. Yeah. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. You're the booker. <laughs> I like you. Are you available to be on my payroll? Looking for a yes, man. <laughs> okay, so what's see here? What's see here? Does that mean a real word? I don't know who goes first on this one. You want to go? Or I mean, uh, yeah, my turn, I think. Yes, yes, yes. I want to keep this uh, on the snake system because that's yes. what they do on North South. They do snake, and I'm trying to learn. <laughs> so this is match number three. This is for the vacant World VHS Championship, not the television championship. Yes. VHS Championship. Oh, I should probably introduce the concept. It's our secondary championship. We need to give it a name, and it's uh, just any two killers. My apologies. No, no problem. So uh, this is Belial, uh, the uh, titular, not titular, but the main character uh, and killer from the movie Basket Case from 1982. Versus Mitch Hansen, killer from potentially my all-time favorite slasher movie, 1988's Doom Asylum. Okay, first things first. You say it's your favorite. I've not seen it. I feel bad because I was going to talk about the first one in more detail, but tell me about Doom Asylum. Doom Asylum is uh, there's a it's a, a lawyer. He's in a car crash. He gets taken to a hospital. Um, they do some kind of wacky surgery stuff. Uh, and it ends up he uh, is not dead. They think he's dead, but he goes insane. It's a very, very, very uh, flimsy plot. Um, they cut to 10 years later, and a group of teens uh, is going to have a picnic uh, in the Doom Asylum. And there's a punk band that's practicing songs uh, in the asylum as well. And uh, it just there's, – there's a lot. There's a lot to it. Uh, there is a wrestling connection. Patty Mullen, who was uh, one of the guest judges from the uh, 
first Clash of the Champions Sting versus Ric Flair match. She what were her in, credentials? What were her credentials in that, by the way? I just oh, curious. Well, well, she was the the pet of the year. That's right. That thank you. That's a yes. that's a deep poll, and I, I just love it so much. Yes, the pet of the year, Patty Mullen. But um, she's in this movie. But it's it's uh, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it's really indulgent. They really lean into everything. Um, really gory. And yeah, it's it's terrific. This is off topic, but not. But as you're describing, I will. I've got that one written down to check out as well. Um, as you're describing this, a movie popped into my head. Uh, it sometimes it's called Ragman. Uh, sometimes it's called something else about rock and roll or music. But it's about a kid who has like a record that play that where his like favorite musician who's just died who was like a Satan guy gives him commands for the records. Ooh. Oh, God, I wish I remember what it was actually called. But uh, it's got, like, Gene Simmons, who, of course, sponsored the Kiss Demon in WCW. So, again, there's a wrestling connection, people. Oh, are you, are you thinking um, Trick or Treat? Thank you, Trick or Treat. I knew it had a generic – and, that, hey, that's a fine name, too. I'm just saying, uh, I listened to a podcast where I talked about it, and I, I found it, but it was called Ragman. And, like, and it reminded oh, me of Ragman, Ragman. From, D, from DC Comics, of course, because I'm a nerd. <laughs> and uh, But, yes, Trick or Treat is the, like, name of it. Have you seen yeah. that one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Ozzy is in it, too. That's right. That's right. And that, that guy is crazy. That yeah. is the singer guy. Um, and now, Basket Case, the reason I wanted to say something about that is because uh, on Spooky Slam with Keith Langston, he told me that he was going to be on um, Drive-In Theater, or what, what's uh, Jenny's show called? Uh, uh, Freak Out Drive-In. Freak Out Drive-In. I always say it wrong. I always say it like I said, Joe Bob Briggs shit. Jenny, I'm sorry. <laughs> um. Hopefully she'll forgive me. But uh, he he was going to do Basket Case with her, which would have already come out. I mistakenly thought that I had seen Basket Case, good sir. And I watched the trailer after the call, and I had not seen it, and I'm excited as fuck to watch it. You're talking about the kid or the twin in the basket? Yes. Beautiful. Incredible film. Yeah. The trailer was uh, amazing. And listen to Jenny when she does that. I'm going to, because that's why I'm, one of the reasons I'm going to watch it as soon as possible. But that movie looks like pure madness and greatness. Yes, it is. I don't know what I thought it was when he said it. Um, but, you know, I didn't want to interrupt him. Uh, you know, but it, I felt bad afterwards. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I love it. So the – and I also like this one, too, because with the stipulation of any horror movie killer or what have you, we just get to pick from – pull from favorites, I feel like. Of course. Now, this is the Campfire Championship, and there's a reason for that. My first killer from Sleepaway Camp 2, Angela, played by Bruce Springsteen's daughter. I can't remember her first yeah. name. Have, are you familiar with, with Sleepaway Camp? Uh, of course, of course, yes. Okay, wonderful. So this is, I love, you know, to me, it's like Gremlins versus Gremlins 2, except, you know, Sleepaway Camp is all-time, like, cheese, bad movie, but also awesome movie. And Sleepaway Camp 2, much like Gremlins 2, is just like, yeah, we're going to lean into this, please. Yeah. She is taking on Mrs. Voorhees. Wow. Of course, if you've seen Sleepaway Camp 2 and Mrs. and you know Mrs. Voorhees' modus operandi, you'll see the pure hatred here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think I need to do my finish, so I might as well lean into it. So... Mrs. Voorhees is hot out of the gate here attacking Angela. Angela, of course, is a legendary camp advocate and head counselor at Camp Arroway. All right. Mrs. Voorhees, of course, blames every camp counselor in existence for the death of her son. Mrs. Voorhees 
hits a swift DDT. One, two, no. Now, Mrs. Voorhees is pissed and starts arguing with the referee, accusing the referee of being out drinking and having sex when he should have been counting the three count. Loomis gets into it. And he's like, yes, I saw him. He was having sex while you were covering her. He's evil. And the referee is like, I've, I've been here literally the whole time, lady. I counted to three. She kicked out, you know. I, I wasn't off having sex when you were making the cover. And so Mrs. Voorhees is, is just arguing over and over. Angela gets back up to a vertical base, all right. Dr. Loomis is pleading with Mrs. Voorhees, asking for her phone number because, you know, he wants to give her a little bit of what she's missing out on there, uh, Paul Rudd. And then Angela gets right in Mrs. Voorhees' face and says, oh, geez, Mrs. Voorhees, isn't that the problem? I know what's wrong with you. You know, Angela always gives these speeches before she kills the kids. You're just all alone. You're lonely. Do you need a friend? Well, I certainly want, wouldn't want any of my campers doing this, but since you're a grown-up, I'll make an exception. Angela then pulls out her hot curling iron. Of course, if you're familiar with Sleepaway Camp, you know where this bad boy is going. But let's just say Mrs. Voorhees would be very uncomfortable. And it does indeed go to that very special location of Mrs. Voorhees. Mrs. Voorhees screams in pain, then in pleasure. She's on her back now, and Angela makes the easy one, two, three. We cut to the announcers, and Paul Rudd's Tommy Doyle is staring with his mouth agape. Dr. Loomis now has on sunglasses, and he's smoking a cigarette. Enjoying the show. Angela is the winner. Bravo. Wow. How about that for booking, huh? Well, that's, that's, all, that's all. You see, Tommy, all she really needed was a man. And, and, you know, that's what the hot curling iron was for Mrs. Voorhees. A <laughs> famous, famous, of course, sleepaway camp kill by Angela with the curling iron to the <laughs> vagine. Of course. So. That was an epic. I apologize, fans. No, no, no problem. Now, now mine, so this is a VHS uh, championship. Again, 15-minute time limit here. Belial uh, wins in some what some may call an upset. Um, he slowly gnaws off Mitch's legs. Uh, Mitch u- attempts to use his bone saw, but uh, Belial is too kind of quick and short and tricky. But, <laughs> but he's like the leprechaun, right? Yes. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So is he able to stay outside of his box? Is that part of the – or his box, my God, his basket? Is that, like, part of the thing? Yeah, he he can be outside the basket. It's just the basket is where he uh, – that's kind of how he travels most of the time, so he can stay hidden. Well, of course. I mean, I love any ages. Like, is he like Danny DeVito in there, or is he like, you know, strange – what do you mean? <laughs> well, like, so the plot is, like, they cut off the guy's conjoined twin, like, right when they're born, or is it in the womb? No, no, it's right when they're born. Okay, so if he's fit, now, hey, I'm not trying to, like, stereotype like he's, you know, but at the same time, he's, like, deformed, right? He's not just, like. Oh, yes, yes, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. I see what you're saying, yes, yeah. Like, it's, like, he's not, like, he's not, like, the actor that portrayed the character Hornswoggle. No. He's, he's supposed to be, like, a sort of misanthropy of the human anatomy yeah yeah okay gotcha well then i think it's hilarious that <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> that, that makes all the difference in the world to be honest with you okay <laughs> very good um and so i will say that uh after after uh we do have a, a musical performance 
um, <gasps> on my show. So uh, after the third match, to get everyone ramped up for the top two semi-main event and main event matches, the band Mystic from the movie Horror Hospital 1973 performs their hit song, The Mark of Death, live for the Haddonfield football uh, stadium crowd. That is another movie that I've heard so many times. See, this is great because I feel like all sides of the spectrum are being represented fairly. Um, that's another movie that I've been told, like, why haven't you seen this one yet? And I feel stupid, but I like that I'm in a public forum admitting that I need to see these movies. Yeah, it, it, and it rocks. The song is, like, really good. It's, it's heavy and, yeah, it's awesome. What do you stand on that Friday the 13th Part 3 disco theme song? I'm into it. Why not, huh? I know, right? I always, I always picture Shelly dancing to that song. I mean, with Shelly from Friday 3, like he's got the afro. He's got like Jonah Hill. Right, yeah. <laughs> God, please make remake Friday the 13th Part 3 with just Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, yeah. <laughs> I hear that guy's kind of a dick, though, but whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Okay, so yes, I, I'm glad that you've pivoted because what we have now is a scenario where the two big main events are about to take place. We mentioned in the beginning that all these matches are going to be set to end by pinfall. And while you're going to introduce your match first, I want to introduce the concept. We're calling this the second chance ladder match. So basically, if you're looking for a visual here, if you're still looking for a visual, it's money in the bank. Except instead of a championship or some giant poker chip or whatever else they hang from these things these days, there is a script suspended above the ring. It's called a second chance ladder match because each individual in this match, with one exception, is a victim, meaning any person killed in a horror film. And the person that gets the script gets brought back to life for a sequel because that's what these people want, in my opinion. Absolutely. They want to be because then you get more checks. I read an interview with John Carpenter. He's like, yeah, if they want to make another Halloween movie after Halloween ends, that's fine because they cut me a nice check. I was like, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wins. <laughs> now, it is, it's a six-person, five victims. The sixth individual is a killer that has only appeared in one film because they, too, want a sequel. All right? So I can't wait to see what spectrum these pull from. This was my big one. Like, this is complete creative freedom. This tells us what horror or, or slasher stuff you're into, what you should be watching on Halloween. Give us your roster. Now, now uh, to keep it snake style, I believe it would be yours, right? Is oh, that right? No, sure, sure. No, that's fine if that's correct. I, I, I well, don't. You know, I, I don't know, actually. I'm, I'm kind of getting confused now. I feel, I feel bad, like, rambling and rambling. Um, I apologize. But Nuts. if we gotta go consistent, I, it, no problem with me. Well, I, <laughs> I think so I, I did the last one. Yes. And so do I do this one now? That's no. right. You, do you do no. this? I did I, the you're last right. one. Right? I do this one, ladies and gentlemen. Presenting a new special on Northside Connection podcasting without a net. <laughs> no, it's all good fun. Uh, yeah, it is me. I'm the jackass. <laughs> Seriously. So let me get started then. Our first victim, Randy Meeks from Scream 2, played famously by Jamie Kennedy. Film geeks everywhere wanted to resurrect him. We're probably better off without him because he's really grating in retrospect. Mm. Victim number two, Jimbo, played famously by Marty McFly's dad, Crispin Glover, in Friday the 13th, 
part four, the final chapter. Rumor has, pray tell, he's a dead fuck. Yeah, a lousy lay. Yes, right. It's just the computer. I don't know what you want from me. It's just the computer. <laughs> I did have in my notes that Teddy accompanies him with the imaginary computer, like they're the York Foundation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my third victim from Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers, is Ted Hollister, a man who's famously just a dude walking around town dressed like Michael Myers, and he's shot by a pack of hillbillies who have taken justice into their own hands. I famously in the Aqua Cave refer to them as Southern Justice. We watch a lot of Southern Justice matches, and every time they come to the ring, I'm like, shouldn't they be out hunting Michael Myers? Because <laughs> my friends and I, we used to watch Halloween 4, and we'd be like, oh, pause it. What, what, what part is it? Oh, it's just Southern Justice running around. Because we all watch wrestling, we all, you know. <laughs> Victim number four, Joanna Mann himself, Miguel A. Nunez Jr., a.k.a. DJ from Street Fighter, a.k.a. Demon from Friday the 13th, Part 5. Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. Wow. My next victim, shock jock DJ and huge fan of Dr. Loomis, and it's reciprocated. From Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers, b -b -b Barry Sims. Hey, lady, take your top off. I'm Barry Sims. <laughs> you know, I mean, Barry Sims, he's basically Howard Stern. Yeah. And then my killer, only one appearance, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Giggles, a.k.a. Larry Drake. Wow. From Dark Man. Yeah. Great call. Great yes. call. Nice. That's right. I hope you're using protection. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't get Dougie Doug in there from Dr. Giggles, but Dr. Giggles deserved a sequel. Larry Drake is a god. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great, great mention. Glad we got Dr. Giggles on the card. Nice, nice. All right, so I need some victims for Haddonfield. Lord knows they don't have enough. They don't have enough. All right, so we've got Nancy Thompson, famously from the Nightmare on Elm Street series. That's right. In Nightmare 3, she's killed off. That's right. In, uh we've got Kristen Parker, played by Patricia Arquette, also from the Nightmare series. Are you doing the Dream Warriors explode? I, I, I wish I was. I thought okay. about that. that. That would have been awesome. I, I just thought of it too. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, but, yeah. And I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I was gonna like praise you and give you control of the podcast because that is the best idea. That's a great idea. That's, that's, that's a great idea. Yeah, for sure. For really sure. Good. Um, we've got uh, Marge Gutman from Season of the Witch. The uh, oh the my lady, god, the toy store owner from San Francisco. Um, yes, that's me knocking on the desk because I love it. She gets blasted in the face with the laser. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, while wearing like a very kind of gaudy nightgown. Uh, <laughs> Is there any other kind? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, versus Alice Hardy from Friday the 13th. Versus, and then she, she dies. Uh, yes, right, she dies in the second, second one. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, that, that intro is way too long. Yeah, yeah, that's all right, though. Um, versus Nikki Brand from the movie Videodrome, played by Debbie Harry. Nice. From Roller Games. Mm hmm uh, Yes. I mean, I don't know if, you, if you're humoring me or not, but if you've seen Roller Games, prepare to be my guest on every edition of a Roller Games podcast to be named later. No, so I only, I, I, I only know it by name. But oh, okay. I, I was aware of, uh, yes, of that connection there. Um, I love it. Videodrome's another I need to see. Yeah, yeah, awesome movie. Um, and the killer is a man named Kirk Smith. 
from a movie called Don't Answer the Phone. Uh, I believe it's 1981. And this is one of the more mean-spirited uh, slasher movies you'll ever see. Ooh. Um, he, he, he kills exclusively women. Um, it, it's, it's really – it's pretty – it's a pretty rotten uh, movie. It's, it's pretty hard to watch, real misogynistic. But mm, uh, I, gotcha. I, I, I put him in here um, because – well, first of all, there are several weightlifting scenes where he, he – Pumps iron with a barbell, which are kind of cool. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, I, I put him in here uh, exclusively with women, um, and uh, we'll see what happens. I love that. I didn't even catch that. That is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's it's my own fault because I have such bad ADD. We started talking about the killer working out. I started thinking about that movie Killer Workout where they kill people with a giant clothespin. Have you seen this? No, no, okay. no. <laughs> It's it's I'm, I, it's detracts from what sounds like actually. Can you repeat the name of the film the killer's from? It's it's uh, don't answer the phone. Okay, okay, because I want to put that on my list because that sounds. I like the way you put it. It's a really um, I forget the exact phrase you use, but it's really like violent. It's very misogynistic. It's 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 ill intended. Yeah, mean, mean spirited. Mean spirited. Thank you. And I feel yeah. like. It's interesting to dissect the schlock against the stuff that thought it was maybe doing something else. And it's it's hard to understand how you could take it so seriously. Now, I'm not talking about, like, the thing, obviously. That's, mm-hmm. you know, different genres, different artistic merit, of course. Um, you know, thinking about horror films that take themselves seriously. Um, but that's interesting. I'd like to – I'm going to watch that as well. All right. All right. So I apologize for the length here. Uh, the match is designed to be the show stealer as one would expect. Now, Demon, of course, from Friday 5, is one hell of an athlete because he played pro ball in Juana, man, so he's bouncing around, taking control of most of this thing. And Dr. Giggles is on the outside watching the match from afar, just sitting at ringside watching. Eventually, Randy is tossed outside near Dr. Giggles. Dr. Giggles reaches into his bag and hands Randy a DVD copy of a film called When Will I Be Loved? So apparently this film features Nev Campbell nude. And this is basically what Randy has always wanted his entire life. So rather than get resurrected for a shitty Scream sequel, he just runs to the back with this DVD, happy, and and that's the end of him. All right. Then Dr. Giggles gets a couple of counselors who are watching from the front row. And as Barry Sims is climbing the top or climbing the top of the ladder, uh, he, you know, he gets their attention with the gals, and they're like, hey, Barry, look at this. They flash him. He, of course, slips and breaks his neck. And Dr. Uh, Loomis is like, Barry, no. I was rooting for you, Barry. Out of nowhere, Jeff Jarrett, Phineas Godwin, and Henry Godwin arrive, a.k.a. Southern Justice, and they just shoot Ted Hollister thinking it was Michael Myers and just walk away to the back, and that's the end of Ted. So we're down to Demon. Dr. Giggles, and Jimbo, the dead fuck from Friday Part 4. Dr. Giggles now has a computer. He shows Jimbo the computer screen. It says Jimmy equals dead fuck, but it's also like a medical chart, so it looks official. And Jimmy's like, Dr. Giggles, oh! And Dr. Giggles, of course, pulls out the corkscrew because Jimbo famously dies looking for the corkscrew. Hey, Ted, where's the corkscrew? I do enjoy that quite a bit. Now, the crap... The crowd is in a frenzy because now Dr. Giggles has decided to finally enter the ring and demons like, come on, just bring it. All right. 
But he realizes Jimmy's blood is all over his face, and he touches it. And he's a doctor, so he tastes Jimmy's blood. <gasps> it's the perfect match. It's the heart I've been looking for. Because all Dr. Giggles wants is that heart to transplant into his dead mama, right? And so Dr. Giggles gets Jimmy's heart, and he runs away. It's over. It's done with. I got what I really wanted. I didn't want a sequel. Demon is at the top of the ladder. He's going to win. The lights go out. And we hear a female voice over the house mic say, ooh, baby, hey, baby. <gasps> That's the song his girlfriend sang him before they both got killed in the porta potty. It sounds beautiful, and it is. He sings back, hey, baby, ooh, baby. He wants to climb to get the resurrection script, but he just can't. All of a sudden, Jason Voorhees emerges from the ring, bursting through. Demon says, hey, you can't be here. You've had like 12 movies. Jason doesn't care. He decapitates Demon, climbs the ladder, gets to the top of the ladder, takes off the hockey mask, takes off the bald mask he's wearing underneath, and it's Roy, the killer from Friday the 13th Part 5. Roy, the guy that pretended to be Jason, Roy, the ambulance driver. He grabs the script, and the next thing you know, coming next summer, Roy, the movie Part 2 is going to happen. Unbelievable. I'm Unbelievable. A big, I'm a big Roy fan, obviously. Sure. Yeah. And I again apologize for the link, but I, you had to give, I felt like I had to give each member his due. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, if you've never seen, if anyone out there never seen Friday part 13, part five, that's the one where some random dude dresses up like Jason. And then, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they literally pulled a Scooby Doo and they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe it wasn't Jason. It's Roy, the old ambulance driver. <laughs> so Roy, the ambulance driver needs his own sequel. He does. I, I'll agree with that. Um, so for mine, uh, it's a much more simplified, but uh, this is what happens is th- this is a, this is a crowd pleaser in the sense that Kirk Smith, big heel, obviously a big heel. And uh, with the exception of Marge Gutman, uh, these are all, I would say, fairly strong, uh, independent Women who, I would, but Marge is like a top salesman, though. I mean, well, I'm going, I'm, I'm going, yeah, that's true. That's how she, that's how she, uh, she got to where she is, right? That's right. Um, I'm sorry. No, no, that's all right. But, uh, but, but, you know, these are also all, all women who have dealt with, uh, frustrating issues with, with men, you know, um, in the past, uh, I guess with the, well, Alice, she was killed by a man, too, but, um, so, so they they really they know what Kirk Smith is up to, and they all attack Kirk, and they all squash Kirk. But Marge Gutman, she she's very happy. She she's you know she's the top salesman. She's very outgoing. She doesn't know why everyone is so angry at Kirk, and so she just quickly scurries up the ladder and gets the title or gets the uh, script rather. <laughs> So you get Marge Gutman. She's a feel-good character. You, so you get the return of Marge Gutman, but you also get all of the other ladies uh, getting a chance to really dish it out to Kirk Smith. Kirk Smith gets his comeuppance and uh, goes away for good. So either way, so I see this going one of two ways. We either get a sequel to Halloween 3 or we get Marge in like a coming-of-age, like I just divorced my husband at 60, and it's like the trailer's like, 
Marge was from the little city, but now she's hitting the big city. And she's like, walking around like, hey, can you tell me how to get to 54th and Broadway? Well, now Marge is from San Francisco. And, Damn and it, so that's I, right. And Damn so I, I'm imagining that she's uh, unlucky in love, Marge Gutman. <laughs> Much better. Because <laughs> she was reading, like, romance novels with Fabio out of her, right? Exactly, yeah. Oh, so, God. So it's going to be a, a romantic comedy starring Marge Gutman. <laughs> this is the greatest night in the history of our sport. <laughs> Seriously, I love it. I I think it's fantastic, and it's it's something I want so bad now because I know I can't have it, and I mean that with whole heart, whole certainty. Because <laughs> it's such a deep pull. It's such one of those like everybody gets their own Netflix show now, right? I just read the guys that steal Ferris and Bueller, Ferris Bueller's car for the couple hours are getting their own Netflix spinoff. Okay. Wow. So come on, like Cobra Kai was a big hit. Just start doing some spinoffs, like really dive deep. Yeah, let's get Marge Gutman. Absolutely. Is Tom Atkins still alive? He is, yeah. Okay, we'll tell you what. What we can do is we can have elderly Tom Atkins meet up with her in the city. But when we do flashbacks, can we bring in Dan the B7 to play? Sure, absolutely. Because <laughs> uh, they are both so sweaty, you know? Yeah, they're sweaty, sweaty, sweaty characters. Oh, I love it. So that is <laughs> March. That is going to take us to the main event of the evening for the World Heavyweight Championship. It's vacant, of course, because this is the first show. It's a fatal, literally, because the stipulation for this match is, of course, it's elimination via pinfall, but you have to kill your opponent before you can pin them. So it's kind of like a WrestleMania 10 pinfall can anywhere, like a Texas death match. Maybe I don't really know what to equate it to. Yeah, false count anywhere. Sure, because these guys, like, you know, you're not eligible to pin them unless they're dead. And, of course, they can resurrect at any moment. So you got to mind your P's and Q's here. It's pretty straightforward. Killer 1 versus Killer 2 versus Killer 3 versus Killer 4. And I believe, Snake Style, you are up. I'm up. So uh, no surprise here. These are the main eventers. These are the, the big names. We've got Pinhead versus Jason versus Michael Myers versus Freddy. But it's Freddy as the snake version from uh, Dream Warriors. That is such a great prop. I love it. That is fan-fucking-tastic. And I love, too, that you brought in Pinhead because I I can't watch. Hell- there's there's a, not much that I can't watch for some reason. I want to throw up. Ooh. And I'm not trying to be like vulgar. Like, it's seriously, like, I need to get over it and just watch it. But for, it's the practical effects because I know they're so good because they mm-hmm. had to do it. If it was CGI, I could watch it a trillion times a day. Yeah. But there's something about the latex and the flesh. Have you seen the Hulu? No, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. I'm not, and because of that, I, I haven't become a huge Hellraiser guy, but there's, I know that first one's like an all-time classic. First one and the second one. I like the second one better. No kidding. So yeah. we got like an Empire Strikes Back. Did Clive, uh, did, is that Clive, Clive Barker? Clive Barker, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Now, I know in the third one, one of the Cenobites shoots, shoots CDs. So. Yes, yes. And uh, they fight Superman in one, and they fight uh, Adam Scott in another. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. Yeah. But those are the four pillars. I mean, it's it's interesting. I wondered if you'd do Freddy, Jason, Michael in a fourth. Uh, because, I mean, hey, spoiler, that's what I did too. But I wondered yeah. who the fourth would be. Yeah. 
And my fourth, because, you know, no reason to go over the first three, out of left field, the brain gremlin from Gremlins 2. Wow. Now, what you have here, gentlemen, is a lack of civilization. I am civilized. You three are not civilized. <laughs> you know, and he's got the cigar, and he's got the glasses, and he's got, you know, the fucking accountant's, you know, tax machine. He's like, well, I don't know what the returns are going to be, but the early buzz is good. You know, That's good, yeah. Because he's the brain. Um, but every, everyone must, ev- much of, must eventually meet their maker. And Snake Snile, take us home from Haddonfield. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you, Here, here's how it goes. Pinhead immediately uh, sends Freddy. Uh, he sees Freddy as the, uh, the biggest uh, opponent, the most powerful opponent. So he sends uh, Freddy to the Cenobite realm, uh, also known as Hell or the Labyrinth. Um, Freddy, while there, ends up turning into a Cenobite himself. He comes mm. back through the portal into the ring. Um, he eats the others uh, and gaining their powers as he goes along, as he eats each one. Um, and and there you go. He eats all of them. It's actually not even close. Uh, he And there, there you go. Uh, he finishes off Pinhead last. It goes um, Myers, then... uh, Then uh, Jason, then Pinhead, and that's it. And so now you have a Cenobite version of uh, Freddy Krueger as a snake, as the world champion, and a very strong champion at that, because now he has all of of their powers, uh, as well as Cenobite powers. See, now, I have to admit, I'm embarrassed, because what you've done is exactly what they would do if this was a movie, because... They would have to have some sort of like scenario. It's almost like working with Hogan and another like top face who has an ego. You got to imagine these characters have egos and it's like, that's how you win. It's a, it's not a stalemate, but what I'm saying is it's like Freddie becomes a Cenobite, which ever, which evolves the Cenobite Hellraiser franchise. So we get, mm-hmm. you know, everybody wins a little bit. People want to see the next Hellraiser. They want to see the next Freddie. How's Jason doing, you know, recovering from the loss, you know? And Michael going down first. He's had, his time is up. Time is up. Wow. It's a bold statement, but given the early reviews for Halloween ends, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just saying it's out there. It's out <laughs> there. So it's interesting. Michael's time has come. I like that quite a bit. Yeah, I like it, too. I, I'm a big fan of Michael dying. I even shot him six times myself. <laughs> it's true. Get me another drink, nurse. Because you gotta imagine that when when Freddy takes that giant bite, I mean, he's just, you know, like the cigars, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm also embarrassed because where I was going with that whole thing was that you created an actual narrative that seems realistic and feasible for a film. I just basically did a stand-up routine here at the end. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So everyone is appalled that the brain gremlin is here, like the bell rings, because in this world it was announced as a mystery opponent. So even the slashers are taking the time when the bell rings. You know, you get that moment where all four face off, and hopefully the crowd chants, this is good. (laughs) This is good. And uh, they're just like, who let the brain in here? The brain, sensing that he's the odd man out, uses his brain, rolls outside the ring, and joins the commentary table like Vince in the Rumble, and just kind of washes for a little bit. The first elimination occurs when new women's world champion Alice, or final girls champion, we changed it, comes down the aisle 
and shows Freddy his reflection. Now, Freddy is way more powerful than he was in A Nightmare 4 at this point, and the reflection does nothing. However, suddenly Freddy's reflection steps out of the mirror. It's Freddy, but it's Freddy from the remake. It's Jackie Earl Haley's Freddy. Now, these two guys have wanted to kill each other for years because Freddy thinks that Rorschach Freddy ruined his brand. And, you know, Rorschach Freddy's like, I should have had another chance, you know, all this shit. All of a sudden, they're going at it, slashing each other's throats. A third Freddy emerges from the shadows, this one with the metal claw from, uh, from Wes Craven's new nightmare. The three Freddies touch, and they all explode, because Freddy is dictated by those crazy dream-like church powers, I guess. Because you got to use magic to kill Freddy, right? So we're down to three. Michael Myers hits Jason Voorhees with a power bomb through a flaming table, and then turns to the announce table to stalk the brain gremlin. No, no, no. I don't know why he's looking at me. That's not very civilized. Dr. Loomis is over here egging this thing on. Michael, the tiny green fucker called you a bitch, Michael. Loomis then tosses the brain gremlin inside the ring because he's supposed to be the funny guy on commentary. The brain gremlin is backing away from Michael Myers. The brain gremlin pulls out a cell phone, presses a button, and out shoots the electric gremlin at Michael Myers, and Michael is down, and it looks like for the count. However, Jason Voorhees, up to a vertical base, grabs the brain. Now, Dr. Loomis has had a microwave at ringside all night to microwave burritos when he's hungry. All right, I need burritos. I'm hungry. I need more food. I'm hunting evil. And the brain gremlin just gets tossed in the microwave and explodes. So now we're down to Jason versus Michael, Dawn of Justice, if you will. Michael is up. The two men are face-to-face. Michael stabs Jason. Jason stabs Michael. All of a sudden... The brain gremlin's cell phone rings. Michael kicks Jason outside the ring and picks up the phone and breathes hard into it. You know, the a voice on the other end says, hello, Michael, what's your favorite scary movie? Suddenly, seven ghost faces are here from the Scream franchise. The fisherman from I Know What You Did Last Summer. The urban legend killer wearing the parka. The killer from Urban Legend 2 wearing the fencing mask. The My Bloody Valentine remake killer is here. The big baby from Happy Death Day. The chick from The Ring. Josh Hartnett from The Faculty. The Leatherface. The Jin from Wishmaster. Pinhead. The Crypt Keeper. And then finally, their leader reveals themselves. It's Chucky with Rick Steiner. All right, boys. Let's kill the fucker. Put it on him. All the movie villains rush towards Michael Myers, and they put on his head a pumpkin mask, and the Titantron starts playing, Happy, happy Halloween, 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 happy, happy Halloween, silver shamrock. Michael Myers' face implodes, explodes, and turns into bugs, and that is the end of Michael. The horror movie villains are tired of him getting all the press, and they leave him to die. Jason is alone in the ring victorious. Loomis is losing his shit on commentary. Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Jason all alone in the ring. The bell rings. Jason realizes he's been turned babyface. Looks to the crowd. Hits a spin rooney Grabs the microphone and yells, I'm going to New York. Copyright. Jason is the winner and he turned babyface. Wow. That's a, that's a swerve at the end. Unexpected. Well, the thing is, is that it gets everybody on the show for a payday, okay? And I'm sure I missed Killers for the big finish. But these are all, some of these, in a way, are all derivative from Michael, whether it be the 78 Michael or the 
uh, Michael from like Scream revitalizing Michael Myers. Like even Scream gets credit for revitalizing Halloween instead of being Scream a lot of the time. So they of course want vengeance. Yeah, hey, I I dig it. I like it. I just I you know I mean I gotta know though. Do you buy Jason doing a spin a Rooney? <laughs> Let's see. Let me think about this. Uh, I've, I've never seen him be too um, too mobile before, too agile. But that's the thing. Even Jason didn't think he was going to win this thing, right? I mean, yeah, true, true, true. Everybody going into this match has got to think that Mike – I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad you swerved as well. But he just gets so much fucking press these days. And, you know, obviously Halloween, If you, in my opinion, if you compare it to every Friday and every Nightmare, the first one, First Halloween's the winner out of all of them, in my opinion. I'd say so. So, yeah, so it seems right that he's like the only yeah, – I brought you into this world, Michael, and only you can take me out. You know, that whole sort of thing. Yes. You live by the knife, you die by the knife. But, man, it, it's, it's crazy. The evilness has penetrated us all night, but I feel – I mean, that's the end. That's, that's going to do it for a slasher slam. And, and honestly – I don't know about you, but I think everybody's got some great film recommendations to go to after this one, if nothing else. Absolutely. I mean, I don't really know anybody that ever wanted to hear something like this come from a couple of guys, but I'm glad we did it. I had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, you're welcome back here anytime because there are so many planets out there in the multiverse to traverse. Uh, but like we said, you know, check out everything on the North South Connection Podcast Network. You know, it, it's not all bad shit crazy like this, okay? We've got some legitimate great stuff out there. You know, we cover the Ruth's Aggressive Era, the Modern Era, uh, those being on Tuesdays and Fridays. New Gen on Emissions hitting it as well. Uh, you know, I, God, I can't even – Jenny Position every Wednesday. TNA Never Dies is around. Uh, Aaron's Got Wrestle That Was. Movies with JTs is back, I just saw. I mean, I, I can't possibly name everything, but Friday is the modern day. With modern stuff picking back up, I do want to get that. Like, I I watched all of SmackDown waiting for Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt, I just think I speak English on Friday. Uh, I wasn't too pleased, but I was pleased with Bray at the end. So what are you going to do? You got what you came for, right? Yeah, I just, I was a little bummed because when, I don't know if you watched it, like, I haven't watched the full episode of Modern Stuff that hasn't been a pay-per-view in a long time. Yeah, um, same, yeah. Not really, not really following the Modern Stuff right now. Yeah, the show started, it was like, Bray Wyatt up next, and it was a fuck up, and it was really the uh, universe. <laughs> so, yeah, I just kept, I kept waiting, so. But, uh, you know, we really appreciate it. Appreciate you checking out in the multiverse. Thanks for coming on the show, and uh, we will see you the next time that we need to traverse the verse.